Lost Earth Archive, Coalescing Catalog, Volume 1, Futures Incorporated, Part 7, The Garden, written and read by Margaret Pennycook. Windrush stepped away from the group and raised her arm. Irish Corks, I thank you for your help in this situation. I believe your advice is correct. Trilfit Fallon has shown that leets can be resourceful, even though they were not trained to be. She has not been alone, as you know, nor is she the last, but she is still a member of a very small group, perhaps a smaller one than expected. The female who tried to comfort me waved a hand. She will be all right now, though, won't she? Windrush gave a slight smile. Your concern is admirable, Madame Moira, but you know it's not up to me. Trill Fitzalan's future is in her own hands, but I will do as you suggested and take her to the Garden of Repose. Moira squeezed my hand. There now, Trill, you heard Windrush. You can make your own choices, just as we have. Her beautiful eyes seemed to fill with tears. Androids could cry. I didn't know that. I've always made my own choices, I said. She smiled. Yes, my darling, but only about what to wear and what fun to have on this day or that. This choice will be much harder. It will decide your future. Windrush tapped her shoulder. She stood. Go with Windrush. You can trust her. She will keep you safe. For now. I felt my own eyes sting with tears. Moira made me feel just like my own Irish female cork had done. Cared for. What was that word on the vert? Loved. Is that what love was? A feeling that made you feel soft? And also hurt in some strange way? Why didn't I know my own androids' names? Sheila and Gus. Gus and Sheila. Which was who? Now they were one word in my head. Gus and Sheila. Or was it Sheila and Gus? Moira's kindness made me want them even more. The male leaned forward and touched my cheek. You're a fine girl, Trill. Gus and Sheila would be proud you've made it this far. Windrush put her arm around my shoulder. Come on now, Madam Trill. She started to pull me away, but after a few steps I turned and ran back to Moira. I threw my arms around her, pretending she was Gus and Sheila, Sheila and Gus. She hugged me, then gently turned me back towards Windrush. Go on now, my love. We won't forget you. I didn't know what to say. I nodded waved and turned away. I didn't recall ever wanting to treat my androids in this way. Something odd had happened to me. Windrush walked quickly and purposefully. I found it hard to keep up. Her legs were longer than mine and she needed fewer steps. Fit though I was, the terrors of the past few days had taken some toll on me. I glanced back just one more time. The Irish corks were still standing looking at me. And then, as one, they each raised an arm and waved. The shuddering sobs threatened to return. Windrush took my hand. Come, Vandam Trill, chin up. What? I said. Chin up? You don't know what chin up means? I shook my head. It means stay proud of yourself when things are hard. Be brave. Things have never been hard before. Angel sometimes gave me puzzles that were fun to do because I had to think about them if I was to beat it. She made them harder and harder 
till I would stop her because they were too hard. I didn't like that. When things were too hard? Yes. But when you won a hard puzzle, didn't it make you happy and pleased with yourself? While I pondered that, she ushered me into another moving box. Like the first one, it had glass walls and I could watch as levels dropped past us. I could make out what seemed to be more tunnels, but not dark ones like the ones near my apartment. These had great windows and I could make out sun, sky and clouds. What are these places? They're some of the lower levels of apartments from the earlier days of the tower. They look quite different from the tunnels near my apartment. Oh, said Windrush, I haven't been there. Where are we going? What is the Garden of Repose? I, I know what a garden is, but what is repose? Is it a plant or something? Windrush gave something like a small chuckle. He wasn't laughing at my ignorance exactly, but I felt strangely lacking. No, it's not a plant. It's a setting. It means a peaceful and restful place. She faced me and put a hand on my shoulder and gave me a kind smile. It's a special place and there's no reason why you should know what it means. And here we are. The box opened and we stepped out. In front of us was an enormous room, almost a building inside a building. A giant place made of glass held together with some ornamental material. I'd never seen anything like it. This is the entrance, said Windrush. It's based on a very old place in some ancient botanical bank. What's a bank? There are many meanings of the word bank, but in this case it refers to a facility where plants were stored and studied. They had a special place for plants from hotter parts of the world that would not have survived without protection from the normal cooler climate surrounding it. In front of us, part of the wall looked separate from those either side. I guessed it was a door. I was right, but it didn't open as we approached. Instead, Windrush reached for a shiny metal bar and moved it down. Then she pushed and it opened into the building. Come on, let's go in. Inside, palm trees and orchids filled the spaces around us. I gasped at the beauty of it. Sunlight slipped down through the many leaves above us, making gentle patterns on the floor. The sounds of birds chattered above us, butterflies flittered here and there. One came close to my face. I moved backwards, startled. It won't hurt you, said Windrush. I tried to brush off that second of astonishment. I know, I've had them land on me before, in the vert. But this felt different. Oh, said Windrush, that must have been nice. But this isn't a vert. Everything here is real. I stopped walking. Nearby, more butterflies fluttered in the warm air in between real leaves. Real petals. How strange. I trotted to catch up with Windrush. What's that smell? She paused and sniffed. It's the smell of water on plants in their soil, like after rain. Soil? Rain? She gave me an odd look. You don't know soil? I shook my head. It's what most plants grow in. It feeds them. Plants have to eat? Of course. Though only a few look like they have teeth. 
They drink, too. Rainwater. My mouth opened. She laughed. Don't worry, they won't eat you. She started striding again. Now, said Windrush, this is a very special place, and there are protocols to follow. Protocols? I said. Rules, said Windrush. And they take a while to enact. First, I believe it would be prudent for you to have some food. It has been some time since you last ate. I nodded. My stomach was making small gurgling noises. Is there food here? No, but I believe, Madam Trill, you have your own supply. She held up my bed cover now sack. How did she know what I had? She seemed to read my mind. I have been informed of your journey. You collected food from the great chamber. Who informed you? The company, of course, Madam Trill. There was that superior attitude again. I was afraid to break into my stash. But I might need that later. You need it now. Follow me. She turned away into the undergrowth with my sack and my food. Luckily, the path was smooth and easy to follow, but given her speed, I had to move fast to catch up. Thank the company Elspeth had fixed my foot. The tunnel of trees and bushes gave way to an area of grass with a small rise in the centre. It seemed to be a bluff high on a cliff. A long way below, a beautiful blue sea stretched out into the distance, with pretty green islands rising on either side. Oh, how wonderful, I said. Windrush held a small rectangle in her hand. A moment later, it unfolded as a large patterned square at her feet. I hadn't even seen where it came from. Time for a picnic. She sat down and gestured for me to do the same. She handed me the sack. You are right to be careful about your supplies. You don't know when you'll find more. So please eat what you feel you need, but no more. I didn't untie Freddy's knots, but poked around and pulled out my supplies. Three food packets and two drinks. I wasn't sure how to open the packet. I turned it over and over. I could see the food through the clear packaging, but it seemed incapable of being opened. Windrush watched for a while, then said, May I help? Without a word, but feeling, what, exactly, stupid, I think, if I'd known what that meant, she took hold of the package and squeezed it between her finger and thumb. The transparent cover shrank away, and I could smell the pleasant odours of fruits and vegetables. She handed the food tray back to me. To one side, a separate compartment held a fork, knife and spoon, along with a small napkin and a damp cloth, which I guess was for cleaning my hands and face of food debris. Remembering not to eat too fast, I looked out from our perch on the cliff. Do you know where this is? I don't recognise it. She shook her head. There have been many beautiful cliff settings in the world. I do not know where the data for this one was taken. Even though I'd never seen this place before, it held a sense of familiarity about it. The sun shone, but it was not too hot. The breeze felt just right. The blue sky arched above with just a few pretty white fluffy clouds, here and there. Though I felt confused about the presence of the androids in the catacomb, and Windrush's behaviour, and the knowledge that there were real trees and butterflies in the garden, the picnic place made me feel safe. I was back in a beautiful world where I could be comfortable, could visit anywhere, even if I hadn't chosen this one. This was a vert. But Windrush brought me back to what had been my world more recently. A drink, Madam Trill, I swallowed. The fruit had been refreshing. I didn't feel the urgent need for liquid. 
and there were only two drinks. I had lost one to Sarah. I'll save them for later. I rose and walked closer to the edge of the cliff, noticing the neatness of the grass and the whiteness of the cliffs to left and right. After a bit, Windrush said, Be careful, madam. You wouldn't want to fall. Don't be silly, Windrush. I can't fall. This is the vert. For the first time since I had met her, I felt I understood something she did not. She gave half a smile. You're right, of course. If Madam's food has settled, we should continue our journey. Walked over to the floor blanket and collected my remaining packages and tucked them back into the sack. Windrush stood opposite me. Madam Trill, we must leave this place as we found it. Please pick up your empty food tray. Me? Why not? You used it. Remember what happened when you failed to properly dispose of your food plates in the great chamber? That wasn't my fault. I didn't know what to do with used plates. Then please learn, madam. There are always disposal units. She pointed to a wall behind her. It displayed a sort of drawing of a plate, knife, fork and glass. Wave your hand in front of it. I fumed silently, but I did as she said. I don't know why I didn't dare to disobey her. A panel opened, revealing a shelf. Just place your used items in the space. Leeds did not do this kind of thing. I wanted to kick her. But something told me that such a notion was no wiser than kicking that chair back in my apartment. I slammed the container onto the shelf. Windrush seemed not to notice. Now, wave your hand at the space. The panel reappeared and hid the tray. I could feel my face doing strange contortions. My eyebrows lowered. My lips pressed each other. Air seemed to force its way out of my nose. She bent and picked up my sack and the blanket, which sort of scrunched into her hand. She stroked it, and it became flat and smooth. She seemed to press it against her leggings, and it disappeared. Androids could do strange things. Right, she said. Time to move on. She extended her arm and indicated the path, heading back into the trees and the bushes. I stalked past her, my chin as high as I could make it. long walk through the various bushes and flowers, I noticed clusters of objects set into the ground. They were of many shapes and sizes, made of a hard material and had letters carved into them. What are those? I asked when we came upon the second or third set. Windrush paused in her stride. They are memorials to those who died here in the tower. I told you, this is called a garden of repose. For many generations in Earth's past, people have had special places to bury the dead. For some, they call it the final resting place. These are leads? Yes, she pointed to one medium-sized marker. Here is someone who belonged to Adam Douglas's family. A long time after he himself died, of course. In fact, this appears to be an area dedicated to a number of his descendants. How do you know? I ran my fingers over carvings of a male face. Windrush pointed to the words. It says so here. It also tells us when this man was born and died. See, it has the days, months and years. And here, here and there. I took her word for it. 
Why did they have these memorials? People like to have reminders of those they have known who have died or show themselves they won't be forgotten when they themselves die. I moved from one memorial to another. How strange. Why does that matter? Humans seem to crave it, but you do not seem to do so. A sudden thought shivered through me. You're not taking me to be buried, are you? Windrush gave me another funny look. Are you dead? No, of course not. My androids, Gus and Sheila, they told me if I ever became badly damaged, I'd just go to sleep and never wake up. And you are not damaged. I was, till Elspeth mended me. Hardly badly damaged. It was prudent to treat it. Even small cuts can cause unwanted bacteria. I shuddered, but she seemed to be laughing at me again. Have you seen enough of these graves? Graves? Resting places. I nodded, but noted quite a few more collections of markers. We came across another building in similar style to the entrance, but smaller. Again, Windrush opened the door with a metal bar. No plants filled this place. Everything was smooth and very clean. No wallpaper moved across the wall. The window panes that had covered it outside were nowhere to be seen. Lighting rose as we moved inside. Madam Trill, it is vital we be properly cleansed before we go further into the garden. You cannot take your sack and food with you. There is a safe space here. She waved at the wall and a shelf similar to the disposal one appeared. We will store your sack here. Before I could stop her, she'd place my pink bed covering containing my food and drink inside. No, I cried. I can't leave my food and drink. The opening slid shut. What have you done? I need food and drink when I want it. I can't leave it here. I tried waving at the wall, but it ignored me. Windrush barely did more. It is locked, and it will be here when we come back. Now, please listen carefully. We must separate for a short time. We will each enter some facilities behind these walls. You must remove your clothing and place it in a disposal unit, which will be clearly marked. You will be provided with new, clean clothing. Do you understand? Madam Trill, are you listening? I really wasn't. I felt so upset about the loss of my supplies. I want my food and my sack. Get them for me now. As I have said, we will retrieve them later. She pointed at the flat, gleaming, pinkish barrier ahead. Just walk towards the wall. It will open and you should enter. Then follow the instructions. I will meet you in just a short time on the other side of this unit. I fixed a look at the place she had locked my, my possessions, then at her. I contemplated sneaking back to collect my things, and then... What? What would I do next? She smiled. Don't be afraid. We will not be far from your sack. I will not let you be hungry or thirsty for any long period. I stared back but didn't smile. I turned and approached the wall just as it dissolved to reveal another space. I caught a glimpse of some other door opening and Windrush moving towards it. But she was looking at me too, so I gave up on the idea of staying behind. The bright place reminded me of the unit where Elspeth the android had fixed my foot. It felt clean and because of that safe. Please remove clothing and place in disposal unit. The voice sounded bored. It didn't care about me. I dropped the long-worn tunics and leggings on the floor. 
The facility was warm, so I did not mind being without them. I waited. What was I supposed to do next? Why hadn't that annoying android told me? Something about protocol and cleansing? I waited. I started walking towards the walls. Nothing happened. The door had closed behind me and had no visible sign. Trapped. My breathing began to come in short bursts. This reminded me too much of my apartment before I escaped. Why had I left those friendly Irish corks? I wanted them to be taking care of me. They had said I could trust Windrush. But how did they know? What had she said about a hostile takeover of the company? And what did that actually mean? Was it really safe to trust her? The body-racking sobs I'd barely closed down in the catacombs resurfaced. I crumpled to the floor. Please place clothing in disposal unit. Shut up, you stupid computer, I seethed. Get me out of here. Please place clothing in disposal unit. Stop it. Stop it. Get me out of here. A bell chimed. Madam Trill, have you followed instructions? The voice of Windrush sounded calm. Yes! I took my clothes off, but nothing happened. I'm trapped. Get me out. Madam Trill, it is for you to get yourself out. Are you sure you followed instructions? Did you place your clothes in the disposal unit? The grey leggings and tunics lay under me. Why should I dispose of them? Yes. I heard what sounded like a breath, but Windrush didn't need to breathe. Are you sure? You see, the unit cannot proceed unless you have disposed of your clothes. Why not? It disrupts the cleansing function. I'm afraid you'll have to remain in the unit until you follow instructions. I am elite. I am not bound by a computer program. Madam Trill, you have followed instructions before. Only from the company. This computer is owned by the company. You said it was a different company. Yes, but one whose instructions you have always followed. Now, please stop wasting time and energy and dispose of your clothes. It will be much more comfortable if you do. And I have nice new ones here for you. New clothes? Okay, I said but only because I choose to do this. I looked around and spotted a symbol for disposal similar to the one where we had our picnic. I punched it, grabbed the clothes and thrust them in the disposal hole. Thank you, said the computer. Prepare sanitization. The familiar air movement from those days back in my apartment swept around me and at once I felt refreshed. A door opened ahead of me and there sat Windrush holding a neat pile of clothes. She patted the sofa beside her. Please sit here while you try on your clothes. They should fit. She handed me some crisp-looking trousers, looser than leggings, but flexible and very comfortable. Are they acceptable? I nodded. Except for the colour. They weren't grey, at least, but a pale sort of blue. Fit and comfort are what are most important right now. How about the shirt? I pulled on the item she offered. It felt soft to the touch, but firm too. She handed me some shoes, not the bright bejeweled sort I'd worn on those occasions when Crander and Blynn had joined in with some fun, 
with old fashions, but a type of firm, comfortable material that enclosed my foot. That should protect you from unnecessary further damage. Her own feet were covered, and now I noticed that included her lower legs. Let me look at you, she said. Her voice sounded friendly and not unhappy with me as she had when I was stuck in the cleansing unit. I stood and for some odd reason twirled. That was something I might do with Cranda or Blynn when we shared delight in new outfits. Very nice, she said, which sort of made up for those moments of annoyance. But why I should be happy that an android liked the way I looked I couldn't grasp. But then I remembered how kind the Irish corks had been to me, and I wanted them to be my androids. Such strange things were happening. She ran her hand through my hair and nodded. Yes, very nice. You'll do. No vid appeared to show me how I looked, but I thought less about that than I usually did. Windrush's own clothes had changed slightly and looked more like my new ones, except hers were still red and black as they'd been before. She must have grown them very quickly. I patted my sides. There were holes in them. There seems to be something wrong with this design. Windrush gave me one of those looks. Has Madame Trill never used pockets before? I shook my head. They're very useful for carrying small things. I pushed my hands into them and found the holes ended. What things? Oh, plenty of things you might need at some point on a journey or just during the day. Like a picnic blanket, for instance. This made some sense. I had needed my sack. How do you know what to take? And why aren't things just there when you need them? Windrush tilted her head and her hair swung behind it. It glittered. I hadn't noticed that before. How did you know how to put food in your sack? I shrugged. Because it wasn't always there? She nodded. Not every place is like your apartment, is it? I didn't know what to say. It was such a frightening thought. I changed the subject. Where are we going? Going to meet someone. Someone? Who? I thought this was a place for dead people. She didn't answer but pushed open another door and led me down a curved ramp, once more surrounded by flowers and bushes. So much so they formed a tunnel, yet not a dark one, but one made of red, white and pink flowers and green and yellow leaves lit with soft sunlight. Who? Who are we going to meet? Windrush still didn't answer. There she went, acting superior again. The tunnel led into an archway. Windrush stopped in front of it. Beyond lay a circular space. Still surrounded by bushes and flowers, it looked like a garden room. Recognition request, Supervisor Windrush and the Leet Trill Fitzalan. The air around us sparkled for a moment and little stars danced on my arms and in front of my face. Just as I was thinking how pretty it looked, the effect disappeared. Windrush held out her arm. Please, Madam Trill, go ahead. In front of the trim hedges, bushes and flowers, glinted an absolutely gorgeous pool. Its edges were irregular and ripples danced across its green and blue surface. They made a gentle lapping sound. Great white and pink flowers spread out between clusters of flat lily pads. A bright orange fish darted beneath the surface. 
It reminded me of Monet's many paintings of his pond. Beautiful, isn't it? said Windrush. She almost sounded as she made this place happen and expected some kind of reward. I shrugged. It's all right, I said. It would be better if I had some decent clothes to wear. What's wrong with your clothes? That hadn't come from Windrush. The voice was quite different. I looked round the garden, but couldn't see a vert, vid, or another android. They're boring, I said. Just one colour, and a boring one too. If you'd like something more colourful, walk to the middle of the pond. What? I think you heard what I said. But I'll get wet. Oh, well, it's your choice. Get pretty clothes or get wet. What a dilemma. I looked back at Windrush, who had a silly expression on her face, sort of questioning and half-smiling at the same time. Turning this way and that, I still couldn't tell where the new voice came from. Is this a trick? It's a trick, isn't it? You just want me to walk on a pond and believe I won't get wet, and when I do, you'll think it's funny or something. Have people played many tricks on you before? said the voice. Well, someone played a nasty trick and messed up my apartment, I said, even though it was against the contract of the company. That must have been very unpleasant. The voice sounded a little softer. But I promise this is not a trick. If you would like some more colourful clothes, walk to the centre of the pond. She crouched beside the water and tapped it. I did the same and found the surface hard. It's not real, I said. You said everything here was real. Well, it was there, but not here, said Windrush. Oh, it's real, all right, said the voice, but not a real pond. Now, come on, are you still wanting prettier clothes? I said nothing, but placed one foot carefully on what looked like water. Then the other. It felt cool, but quite solid. Fish still swam beneath me. When I bent to touch the water lilies, they too were solid and not above the smooth surface as I had thought. At what seemed to be the middle of the pond, I stopped. Will these do? said the voice. Suddenly my clothes swirled in the same blues, greens, yellows and purples as the pond, with even a suggestion of white flowers. I gasped. I hadn't meant to show pleasure, but I couldn't help it. Yes, they're, they're fine. Good, said the voice. I'm glad we put that out of the way. How did you do that? I said, still checking the lovely colours covering my body. It's just a matter of light, said the voice. Yes, said Windrush. The basic clothing is made with fibres that reflect particular parts of the light spectrum. I must have looked puzzled because she added, you know, like a rainbow, like the glass thing in my apartment when the sun shone through it. Quite possibly, said Windrush. Your clothes have always been like this, said the voice. By now I could make out a figure in one of the other arches. You just didn't notice. How do you know? I said. Because I was a part of the team that made it happen. Who are you? Dr Rosalind Yates, said Windrush. This is the leet, Trilfet's Allen. I could see her now. I didn't run to her like I had in the chamber. Instead, I stared as I took slow steps to her side of the pond. The face and the blonde curls were so familiar, but the voice was all wrong. You're not my real angel, she nodded. Yes, and no. 
Probably look like her, though, don't I? Except for your clothes. They're not as floaty as hers. Quite likely. Never liked floaty clothes. They get in the way. What of? Doing things. Work, research, experiments. What sort of work? Finding ways to make this tower work. That's right, I said. The Lady Protector said you were on her team. But how are you like my angel? Every elite's angel is different. You were exposed as a very young child to various profiles, visual and audio. Your angel was devised according to your preferences. You picked my face, my body, but for some strange reason, not my voice. But if you're not my real angel, where is she? Why doesn't she come when I call her? I need her. Because that angel was part of a computer system that has malfunctioned. Mal... It's broken. It stopped working. Can't you fix it? Bring her back? Not at this stage, no. I started to shake. But I need her. She always took good care of me until I really wanted help and then she just disappeared. I hate her. Wait, wait, said Windrush coming up beside us. You want her, but you hate her? Let's all have a seat. Inset against the plant walls of the place were baskety-looking chairs and sofas lined with comfy-looking cushions. I'd seen some like them before, somewhere or other. The angel person sat in a chair with a large oval back behind her. For some reason, I sat next to Windrush on a sofa. She sat straight with her back against the high-cushioned back. I drew my legs under me and curled up. Inside, a strange feeling grew, a sort of emptiness, they're not the kind I'd felt when I was hungry. Why can't you fix it? My angel. Because that program self-destructed as it was programmed to do. It broke itself. I pulled my knees up and set my forehead on them. Windrush put her hand on my back. I'm sorry, Madam Trill. I can see this is hard for you. But she wasn't real. I pushed her away. Yes, she was real. She was always there when I needed her. Except when she wasn't. I buried my face again. Then she disappeared. When everything went wrong, she wasn't there. How dare she? She shouldn't have left me. She couldn't stay because she had no choice, said the angel person. She was just a computer program. Well, so were you. I saw you in a vid with Lady Sabella. Ah, that's true, but it was a very long time ago. What you saw in the chamber was a computer vid. But here and now, I am a real, living, breathing human being, albeit a revived one. Startled, I sat upright. You're alive? You can't be. The Lady Protector was ages ago. Fifty, a hundred, I don't know. Ages. The information was so stunning, it took a second for me to even see half of it. But then the biggest thing hit me. I jumped up and backed away. You might give me germs, illness. Go away. She chuckled, chuckled. Don't fret, she said. In fact, you might give me germs. That's why you were sanitised. I've only recently been revived, so I'm much more vulnerable than you. I stood very straight. I am elite. I don't have germs. She didn't seem surprised or upset by my reaction. Every human has germs, as you call them. We all have trillions of microorganisms that make up our bodies. 
Most of the time, they're helping our bodies work properly. Without them, we'd die. Sometimes they go wrong and cause illness. While we did our best to make certain you are free of such organisms, we couldn't be sure nothing had happened to make them behave differently between your apartment and here. I'm sure you saw some things happen to food you'd never seen before. I nodded slowly. How did she know that? There were piles of undelivered food, just piling up. They smelt nasty. Exactly. Bacteria were doing their job of breaking them down. I admit, it can smell bad. But I assure you, you are safe from anything like that here. And you didn't seem to mind being in proximity to Windrush. Proxim? Being close to her. Of course not. She's just an android. Whatever gave you that idea, said Windrush. If anything, I felt even more shocked than I had just minutes earlier. You said you were. You said you were an android supervisor. You were in the android place, the, the, the catacomb. You misunderstood, said Windrush. I said I was a supervisor. But I didn't say I supervised androids. Then what do you do? I supervise Leeds. I supervise you. Where in the tower do you live? You said you'd never been to my level. Are you connected to the Leets that were banished by Protector Sabella? Oh no, said Windrush with that little laugh in her voice. Everyone seemed to have something to laugh about these days, except me. No, I have spent some time in the tower, but my people were never Leets. Never. I am from outside. I turned and walked away. End of part seven. Continue to part eight. Subscribe for future updates. Share and rate this record to promote future historical research. Visit losteartharchive.com to support continued restoration of this project. Terminating connection.